Thank you for joining us here at Fellowship Church for today's message. Our desire is to encourage others to love God, love people, and impact the world. And we would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So take a moment and visit us online at fellowshipws.org. Find the Share Your Story button and tell us what God is doing in your life. While you are there, you'll also find useful information about our church and other resources that will bring you closer to Christ. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Six, when you have to say, I got it. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. Uh, one verse here, because we got a long way to haul on 1 Samuel chapter 1. So Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, here's what it says. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we faint not. Can you say amen to that? All right, now 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1. 1 Samuel chapter 1, we got a little ways to read here, so I'm going to start without you, beginning at verse 2. And he had two wives, this is Elkanah now, the name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Penina, and Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters portions. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore, for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, she, she when she went up at the house of the Lord, she, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou? Why And why eatest thou not? Why is thy heart grieved? Am I not better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli, the priest, sat upon a seat by the post of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she spouted a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give unto the Lord all the days of thy life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Verse 12. And it came to pass, as he continued praying before the Lord, that Eli marked her mouth. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she had been drunken. And Eli said unto her, How long without be drunken? Put away thine wine from thee. And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thy handmaid for a daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken spoken there there too then Eli answered and said go in peace and the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him and she said let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight so the woman went her way and did eat and her countenance was no more sad and they rose up in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house in Ramah and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife and the Lord remembered her verse 20 last verse wherefore it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I've asked him of the Lord. Can you say amen to that? Amen. Can you 
just do me a favor? I'm probably going to do this at least about five times before uh, I sit down. But can you look to your neighbor and say to your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, God wants you to know it's about time. Come on, look to the neighbor on the other side. This still counts as one. Look to the other neighbor on the other side. I don't know about you, but all I got to say is, it's about time. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. We honor you, God, for who you are and for what you've done. There's nobody like you. Father, we give you praise, honor, and glory. Open up our eyes, oh God, that we might see. Open up our ears, oh God, that we might hear. More importantly, open up our hearts, oh God, that we might believe. You're the only person I know that can speak one word, but minister to many different people in many different ways. So God, I do pray that you'll catapult this word, God, from where we are to where we need to be. Father, we give you praise, we give you honor, we give you glory. In Jesus' name, we do declare and decree. And we all said together, we all said together, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Only way to see somebody say it's about time. I said a little earlier that I have been uh, preaching now, this will make uh, 23 years, if uh, my math is correct, that I have been preaching the word of God. Now, I will suggest to you and say to you, by no means have I been doing it well 23 years. My first four or five years, I struggled desperately trying to figure out what in the world was I doing, trying to understand what it looked like to be a preacher, what it looked like because I grew up in a uh, type of preaching that I knew that was not going to be my style, knew that God had not gifted me with the ability to be able to do, nor did I have a desire to preach in that way. But I had to, over the course of time, I had to come up with a formula, I had to come up with a method that worked for me and also allowed me to be able to uh, rightly uh, divide the word of truth, to be able to disseminate it to God's people. I want to give you that formula. I've been preaching this formula now. I don't know if any of you uh, believe that there's a call in your life that you are uh, supposed to be a preacher, but I'm going to give you the formula that I've used for the last, oh, say, 18 years whenever I dive into a text whenever uh, I'm seeking God truth to disseminate to God's people. Here's the formula that I typically use. I use problem in the text, problem in the world, solution in the text, solution in the world. This is going to make sense to you in a second. Problem in the text, problem in the world, solution in the text, solution in the world. I've utilized this formula because I've just come to note that every time you read scripture, there's oftentimes a problem in the text. Well, I also understand that if there is a problem in the text, there's oftentimes a corresponding problem that's in the world. The Bible, the word of God is not outdated. If there then is a solution in the text because Jesus is the answer, then there also has to be then a solution in the world. Let me give you an example. When you look at the story, if I were preaching on the story on the woman with the issue of blood, I would read that text. You know that particular text. I don't have to go in great detail about it, but you know that this woman had an issue of blood for 12 years, that she had spent all she had with doctors, yet the Bible declares that she grew, she got no better. 
that she heard that Jesus was passing by. And when she heard that he was passing by, she said within herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made whole. And so she began to press her way through the disciples, press her way through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. And she was made whole. Now, we understand if I were to look at that text and I were to use the same formula that I've been using, problem in the text is this woman had an issue of blood. Well, what's the corresponding problem in the world? The corresponding problem in the world is we got issues. It doesn't matter. You're, some of you just came off of Thanksgiving and you understand you got an issue with some blood. It ain't your internal blood, but you got an issue with some blood. I would preach that. An issue with blood. That this woman had a issue in her blood that she had suffered 12 years that a person couldn't solve. The problem in the text, the problem in the world is I have some issues that I've realized that folk can't solve. The solution in the text was when she said within herself, if I may just press through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, then I will be made whole. The solution in the world is that, that sometimes I got to press past some folk that don't want to see me healed to get healed. There are some people who like me because I got the same issues they have. But if I'm ever going to be healed, I got to press past those folk in order to touch the thing that's touching God. Am I making sense to anybody in here? That's why you can't let anybody talk you out of coming to church. Sometimes... You don't have to talk to the pastor. You just need to touch the thing that's touching God. Well, so when I look at that, I use that formula. That's, that's the way that I would structure that particular message. Well, if I look at, uh, let's give you another example so you understand where I'm going here. Uh, if I were to give you the text of um, Jesus feeding the 5,000. Jesus feeding the 5,000. He was out there. Jesus was preaching up a storm. He didn't look at his watch at all. He had been preaching for a long time. They were in the desert. The Bible says they were hungry. And the disciple says, Jesus, we should probably give the benediction right now. And Jesus says, nope, we're not going to give the benediction right now. I know they're hungry, but let's feed them. And the disciple says, we don't have enough for them to eat right now. And Jesus then takes the two fish, five loaves, he feeds the 5,000. All right, what's the problem in the text? The problem in the text is, is that there is, some, there is something that the people need that they don't have. All right, the problem in the world is there are some things that I need that I don't have. That was easy. All right, the solution in the text was that Jesus took what he did have and made it work. He anointed what he did have. The Bible says he blessed it, he broke it, then he gave it to his disciples. All right, that's the solution in the text. The solution in the world is that sometimes I'm praying for something that I don't have, but I don't realize that God gave me already everything that I need. So when I realize that, I use the formula, I, I see that there's a problem in the text, there's a problem in the world, there's a solution in the text, and there's a solution in the world. Now, when I was preparing for this message, preparing for what it was that I believe that God would have me share with you, I utilized the same formula that I've been using for the last 18 years in 1 Samuel chapter 1. All right, read the story of 1 Samuel chapter 1. Let me break it down to you one more time so you can understand what's going on. Here you have uh, Penina and you have Hannah. Hannah was barren. Penina had children. They had a husband. The husband's name was Elkanah. Now, understand the Bible declares that God had shut up her womb. All right, so now what are we saying? What, what's the problem in the text? The problem in the text is Hannah is barren. All right, God, I got it. Hannah is barren. All right, what's the problem in the world? I recognize and understand that there are times in my life that I feel barren. I'm not talking about just natural children. I'm talking about there are some times in my life that I feel like I should be producing, but I'm not producing. 
What makes matters worse is when my haters are producing and I know I'm living better than them. Can I get an amen right there? That, that was really the problem in the text that here Penina is uh, being adverse. She, she's, she's teasing Hannah. And so now Hannah beget, becomes frustrated and she becomes out of source and out of place. And now the solution in the text, when I'm looking now for this solution in the text, all right, God, what is the solution in the text? We know the story about Samuel that no uh, razor shall touch his, the hair of his head. We understand that. So then she goes to the sanctuary. She goes to the holy place and she begins to pray. She begins to pray, and so we preach so many times that the solution in this text is that we got to dedicate. That's where we get dedicating children from, okay? And so we've taught that you got to dedicate your child back to the Lord, and that is a true statement. But when I look at the solution in the text, the solution in the text, all right? So the solution in the text must be in order to come out of a barren state, I got to be dedicated to God. All right, I got to be dedicated to God. If God is going to release this thing that's in me, I got to be dedicated to God. If I'm going to move from one level of glory to another level of glory, from one promotion to another promotion, then the solution in the text has to be, I have to be dedicated to God. And I got ready to preach that to you. But there's a problem. I began to think about it. I began to ask God questions because I'm inquisitive. God, uh, I can't preach that. Why can't you preach that? The reason why I can't preach that is because that, that may be the solution in the text, but that ain't the solution in the world. Why do you say that's not the solution in the world? Because the most dedicated person doesn't always get the best blessing. So then if I go there to Fellowship Church and I tell them that all you got to do is be dedicated and God is going to elevate you and God is going to give you blessing, there's going to be some folk that's rolling their eyes at me. Because we've all seen folk that ain't dedicated, that ain't barren. And we've seen some folk that it seemed like you can't get nothing right and you're the most dedicated person. And so God, what, what, what are you saying? What, 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 what is then, what, what, my formula is not working. Something's broken. It's out of date. I need to download a new app because this formula that's not working right now. Problem in the text, problem in the world. Solution in the text, solution in the world. It's not working. God said, I need you to look at verse 20. I want you just to look at it with me real quickly. Verse 20. He says, you're missing the solution in the text. The solution in the text has nothing to do with Hannah being dedicated. Here's the solution in the text. Verse 20 says, wherefore it came to pass when the time was come. I don't get it. Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come. God, I, I don't understand. This, this, this messes with me. This breaks my formula. Problem in the text, got it. Problem in the world, got it. Solution in the text is wherefore it came to pass when the time was come. Yes, Marcus, I need you to see this. There are some things that only happen in his timing. There are some things that only happen in his timing. And you can miss it because you're thinking, I got to be more dedicated. You can miss it because you feel like the reason why God hadn't blessed you is because there's something you haven't done. And God is saying that you can do all the right things and be the right person, but it still got to be the right time. I want you to see Galatians chapter 6. Oh, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I love this. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Can I just teach a little bit? All right. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Here's what it says. And let us not be weary 
in well-doing. All right, I'm doing the right thing. I'm dedicated. I get it. For in due season, we shall reap. Watch this. If, somebody shout if. If we faint not. So I understand that this has nothing to do with position. This has nothing to do with the promise. This has everything to do with my posture. This has everything to do with the fact that I'm going to reap if I can keep myself while I'm being dedicated and doing the things that God has called me to do. If I can keep doing those things long enough, God will bless me soon enough. You want to write that down. If I can do it long enough, God will bless me soon enough. Some of us will get to heaven. This is just what I believe. This is really theological. This is just, just what I believe. God is going to show a PowerPoint presentation of all the blessings you forfeited because you quit prematurely. That some of us are on the edge. We're on the cusp. We're on the edge of what God is about to do. But because you don't feel like God sh is showing up when you thought he ought to show up. Because you're saying, I'm dedicated, but I'm still barren. I'm dedicated, but they getting it. I'm dedicated, but pastor didn't recognize me. I'm dedicated, but this tithing thing ain't working for me. And some of us are about to miss the next level of blessing because we fainted when we should have kept on doing well. Are you hearing me this morning? I have come up with, the Lord spoke to me about these seasons that all of us go through. If I am going to do the thing that God is calling me to do, I understand it's about time. Somebody shout, it's about time. That it's not about my ability. It's not about my anointing. It's not even about my prayer life. That there are some things that God is only going to release in my life that is contingent upon timing. God is a God of timing. Everything with God is about timing. I know you feel like it's about promise. I know you feel like it's about principle. I, I know you feel like it's about all the things, but God is very much a God of process. So much so that he didn't go heal his friend Lazarus because it was about timing. He said, yeah, I'm coming, but it ain't time yet. I need him to die. He's sick now, but I need him to die. And then he goes on and he tells the disciples, and I'm glad for your sake that he did. Now, that's kind of an insult. If I was Lazarus in the grave, I kind of would have had an issue with that. So you let me die, but you're saying you're glad that I'm dead. Yeah, I'm glad for the disciples' sake that you did. Because there are some things in your life that had to die in order for some other people to realize that God was God. Have you ever watched those info, info commercials about 2 o'clock in the morning when you couldn't sleep? And you saw the before and the after picture? Now, if you're like me, you don't believe half of that stuff. But then you've seen somebody that you know and you see them lose the weight and going through the program. And now you're a believer. Why? Because there are some people that won't believe it until they see you. And so God says I had to allow Lazarus to die because there's some situations that they wouldn't believe until they knew the before and they knew the after. Somebody shout it's about time. So, uh, so God spoke to me about these four. I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to give them to you. These four spiritual seasons that every believer has to go through. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what side of the tracks you grew up on. These are four spiritual seasons that you have to to go through. The, it's about time. There are some things that you will not receive until you're in the right season. We like to make the statement, uh, Pastor Tony, that it's about time. It's about time. It's my season. This is my season. The truth of the matter is, it's always your season. Just what season is it? It might be your season to sit in the background. It might be your season for elevation. It, it's always your season, but God gave me these four spiritual seasons that every believer must go through. Can I give them to you quickly? The first season that every believer has to go through is the season of frustration. Somebody shout frustration. 
Frustration is important. I don't care who you are. You got to go through the season of frustration. Let me assure you, you cannot bind the enemy. It's no more so than you not liking the winner and you saying, I bind you, winner. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Winter is a season. Frustration is a season. And you can be a child of God, dedicated to God, doing the thing that you're supposed to do, but God will send you through a season of frustration. Somebody shout one more time, frustration. It's important for you to understand, beloved, because some of you right now are in a season of frustration. It was the children of Israel that were in Egypt, and here they are in Egypt, and they're in a season of frustration. They, God doesn't bring them out of Egypt quickly. He takes, he takes them to the promised land very slow because he wants them to be frustrated. Frustration is a season. Frustration, write this down, frustration is an emotion. Frustration is an emotion. That's important for you to realize. Frustration is not real. It's real, but it's only real to you. It's an emotion. It's an emotion that you are dealing with. And sometimes you're going through the emotion. There, there's somebody, let me say it this way. There's somebody that had your hand, that your hand to them would be a winning hand. Frustration is always based upon where you feel you should be. Let's be honest about it. The reason why you're frustrated is because you're saying in your mind, by now I should have. By now I should have had the promotion. By now I should have had the money. By now I should have had the man. By now I should have had the wife. And many of us are frustrated because we're not where we thought we would be by now. But God allows you to go through this season of frustration. Why? Because he's trying to see how bad do you want it. Because there's somebody that's going through the exact same season that they turn up their worship. And there's somebody else that's going through the exact same season. They leave church altogether. The person that faints in their season of frustration refuses to receive the promise write this statement down if you don't mind when the season of frustration is managed correctly it has the ability to fortify your personal resolve to succeed and strengthen your reliance on God when you learn how to manage the season of frustration Frustration makes you stronger, not bitter. If you can be real honest, some of you are as strong as you are right now because God didn't answer. And God will allow you to be frustrated long enough. I, I, I one of the things that we were, we were having a conversation, my wife and I were having a conversation the other day about how people spend their money and where people spend their money. I'll just be honest with you. My thing, everybody has a thing. Some people are gadgets, things. I'm a food, I'm a foodie. I love good restaurants. I love a good restaurant. So I was out the other day. Now, mind you, when I say the other day, other day means anytime between now and 10 years. It probably wasn't the other day, just the other day. All right, I was out the other day. I was at a steak restaurant. I was at a steak restaurant and I was with a friend of mine and we both ordered a steak. He ordered his steak well done I ordered my steak medium, okay? Now, if you know anything about cooking steaks, when you, the chef brought the steak out, he said, I need you to cut into the steak, okay? Need you to cut into the steak to see if we cooked it the way that you wanted it cooked. 
I cut into my steak. Yep, it's pink. It's perfect. Oh, like it just like that. He cut into his steak. He said, "Uh, nah, it's a little too, it's a little too red. Nah, this isn't well done." He said, "All right, I'm gonna take it back and I'm gonna put it back in the fire and I'm gonna get it like you like it." Sometimes you don't know what's in you until you've been cut. And God is allowing you to go through the season of frustration. He's cutting you because he wants to see what comes out of you. See, you wouldn't have known, you wouldn't have known that you weren't delivered from cussing until you got cut. I need an amen right there. So God allowed you to be cut and say, nope, 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 nope. You ain't well done. We got to put you back in the fire because I can't allow you to be blessed still with that on the inside of you. Am I preaching to anybody in here? Frustration. God is sending you through the season of frustration. Write this statement down. Don't confuse frustration with being forsaken. Here, why is Hannah? Why is Hannah frustrated? Because she's looking at Penina. She's looking at what God is doing in somebody else's life, and she's saying to herself, "The Lord has forsaken me." When God was not forsaking her, He was just allowing her, as a believer, to go through a season. Of frustration wherefore when the time had come there's gonna be some folk can I just prophesy and declare this to you there's gonna be some folk that you looking at their Instagram and you looking at that page and you feel like they got it all going on that really ain't happy because if we could just be real honest and half of the stuff that's on social media is fake anyway you know you took that picture five times to look that happy you're really not that happy come on baby you know I can't stand you on watching the game we got to take a picture for the ground and you're fronting for the ground there's gonna be a lot of folk that you've been looking at and you've been jealous over Hannah that God is going to allow you to pass them. So don't be looking at them trying to measure how good I am based upon what I did in somebody else's life. Can you shout amen to that? The, the second season, another season that you go through, you go through the season of frustration, but God also takes you through the season of separation. Somebody shout separation. God allows you to go through a season of frustration first, but then he takes you through a season of separation where he is separating you from the things and the people that you don't need on the next level. See, the reason why he allowed you first to go through the season of frustration before he allowed you to go through the season of separation because you wouldn't have realized what you didn't need until you were frustrated. See, if you hadn't gone through that, you wouldn't know who were your true friends. I'm kind of like Drake, no new friends, just, just no new friends. I don't need, there's a lot of folk that, that look down to me straight, that looking down to me straight into my face. And I got to be at the point now where God is allowing me to be separated from some folk that I don't need on the next level. Right now, we are in the season of winter. If you walk around, I did see a guy the other day, but hallelujah, I can look around. I did see a guy the other day wearing shorts the other day in the season of winter, and he was freezing at the pump. There are some of you trying to bring past stuff into a new season, and the reason why it's not working, the reason why you frustrate is not because you're in a season of frustration. The reason why you're frustrated is because you didn't learn your lesson in the last season of frustration, and you're trying to take it into this next season with you. There are some folks that are not going to make the flight. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There are going to be some people that are not going to make the flight. There are some people that were with you at one leg of the flight that's not going to be with you at the next leg of the flight, but you thought that they were going with you to the final destination. They were just with you to the layover. And God has you in a season right now of separation. 
can I, can I share this with you? I shared this, this, this part right here. I'm going to say with you with my church last week. We were, we're on a series dealing with relationships. Anytime God gets ready to bless you, he brings somebody new into your life or removes somebody old from your life. Okay? You need to know that. Anytime God gets ready to bless you, he brings somebody new into your life or removes somebody old from your life. But anytime the enemy wants to wreak habit into your life, he brings somebody new into your life. Hold on. Anytime God gets ready to bless me, he brings somebody new into my life or removes somebody old from my life. Anytime the enemy wants to wreak havoc in my life, he brings somebody new into my life. So if God brings somebody new into my life and the devil brings somebody new into my life, I got to be discerning who brought who. The enemy never wreaks havoc in my life by removing somebody old from my life. So anytime anybody exits your life, it's never the enemy. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The person that you're crying over that left you, let me give you a newsflash. It was God. Because the enemy never wreaks havoc in your life by removing somebody old from your life. But anytime God has you in this season of separation, he says, come out from among them. Be separated. I know you don't understand it right now. This is on a need-to-know basis. But I'm trying to tell you that where I'm about to take you in this next season of your life, you can't take who you have with you. It's a season of separation. Write this statement down. Are you learning something this morning? The season of separation. Separation is a decision. Frustration is an emotion. Separation is a decision. God will always give you the knife. He'll never kill it for you. Take your only child, Isaac. There, sacrifice him. But God, why don't you do it? Because anytime you're in a season of separation, it has to be done at your hand. That God never shuts the door where you can't enter into their life anymore. That God always gives you freedom of choice. And how you choose will determine what you value. So God has you right now in this season of separation where you're having to decide. To decide how badly do you want it. Do I want it bad enough to leave the folks that's not doing what they need to do or not able to go with me to the next level? Am I helping anybody this morning? The third season, let me hasten, the third season that God gives you, he gives you a season of frustration, he gives you a season of separation, then three, God gives you the season of preparation. He gives me frustration, he gives me separation, he gives me preparation. Preparation is revelation. Preparation is revelation. Children of Israel, I need you to come out from Egypt, Egypt being a place of bondage, and I'm going to take you into the promised land. I'm going to take you into Canaan. Canaan representing promise. But I'm not going to take you into promise quickly. The Bible declares he did not take him into the promise quickly because if they got there, they would ruin it. If they got there pre-adventure when they saw their enemies, they would lose the fight. So God says, I'm going to take you the long way, not because the promised land isn't prepared, but you're not prepared for it. So I got to allow you to go through the wilderness in this season of your life because I'm preparing you for it. Not that I'm preparing it for you. I'm preparing you for it. Everybody that prays for a Barack isn't ready to be a Michelle. There are a lot of people that are praying for blessings that they themselves don't qualify for. I know you want that, but does that want you? 
I know you feel like you're ready for that, but are you prepared for that? There is a difference between being ready for it and prepared for it. So God says, I got to send you through this season of preparation. I have to prepare not only your heart, but I got to prepare your mind. I got to prepare not only your heart, but I got to prepare your mind. There are some of us that are trying to take Egypt mindsets into our promised land. But I'm out of Egypt, but Egypt isn't out of you. And if I take you into that right now, have you ever seen somebody that gets something nice and they make it something so hood? Can I say that in Winston? Just you just go to the house and God just upgraded them and here they go. It looks just like the house they just left. I thought this was a blessing. Have you ever seen somebody's car? That here they got a car and they got french fries in this car they're paying $700 a month for. They got french fries just all spread around the car. Why? Because sometimes you're ready for it, but you ain't, but you're ready, you're ready for it, but you ain't prepared for it. And sometimes God got to get that stuff out of you. If you got the man right now, what would you do? If you got the job right now, well, what would you do? You still show up at 10 o'clock saying, I'm sorry, I overslept. What would you do? I know you're ready for it. But are you prepared for it? And God in this season, this season of preparation, he's removing the things that are in you. This is not about anybody else. In the last season of separation, it was about somebody else. And this season of preparation is about you. Are you who you need to be for what God is trying to do in your life? The fourth season, are you learning something this morning? The fourth season, season of appreciation. Frustration, separation, preparation, appreciation. Don't confuse appreciation with celebration. Celebration is what you do. Appreciation is what you have. I'm going to say that again. Celebration is what you do. Appreciation is what you have. There's a lot of people that say thank you that ain't appreciative. So God sends you through the season of frustration, separation, preparation, because he's preparing you for appreciation. If you go through the season of frustration well, season of separation well, preparation well, you'll be appreciative. Some of us are not appreciative because we didn't go through nothing to get to it. So God says the reason why you had to go through certain seasons and the reason why it wasn't time yet is because you would have got there and you would have thought you did it. That's why the old folks could have said, when I look back over my life and I think things over. That's what they were really saying. When I, when I think about where he brought me from, I'm appreciative. I won't go back. What God is about to do in your life, he's, it's going to take so much out of you to get to it until you ain't going to mess it up when you get to it. See, you know somebody that worked for it versus somebody that just was given it. Because the person that worked for it is appreciative when they get it so much so until they take care of it. God is trying to get you to this season, Hannah, of appreciation until you're able to make this commitment that you made regarding Samuel because Penina can't make it because her womb has always been open. But God allowed your womb in a season to be closed. He allowed you to be frustrated. He allowed you to be separated. He allowed you to be prepared. So now you're appreciative. Write this statement down. Are you learning something this morning? Yeah. Write this last statement down. Appreciation is maturation. If you want to know how mature you are, how appreciative are you of what God is doing and what God has done? Amen. Folk 
who are not mature complain about the process. Is this a tough word? Folk who are not mature complain when somebody else's womb gets open. Folk who are not mature hate on folk who get the job that they felt like they should have gotten. But when you are mature, you learn how to appreciate not only what God is doing in my life, but what God is doing in somebody else's life because you realize that nobody can't stop what God is trying to do. Write this down. Never take credit for what you didn't create. What I am trying to do in your life, you're going to know it was my hand that did it. It's about time. Somebody shout, it's about time. What God is doing right now, I'm reminded, just play, play real quickly if you don't mind. I'm reminded about David. Y'all know David. David was anointed to be king on two occasions. In 1 Chronicles, I believe it is, David is at a point where he's getting ready to fight against the enemy, his adversary Saul. And he gives him a list of people that he is to bring into his camp. People who could fight with bows, people who could fight with swords. But it's interesting, he gave him the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar couldn't fight. Here's what the sons of Issachar did. The Bible says that they were able to discern the times. There are some of you who are anointed and gifted, but you're about to miss it because you don't know what time it is. And if you run into this battle prematurely, you're going to lose. If you grow weary and well-doing and faint, you're never going to see what God had in mind for you. Everybody stand on your feet. I spoke to you as an individual. Now I want to declare something to you as a corporate body. It's about time. I want to share it with you and say to you that, and I'm not saying this because Pastor Tony is one of my best friends. I'm saying this to you because I have seen other churches. Preachers, pastors, study churches. That's what we do. We have nothing else to do but look at what everybody else is doing. We know everything somebody else is doing. The level of excellence here, I, I, I told Pastor Tony we, before I came in, he just took me around and looking at some stuff that I hadn't even seen out of all the times I've been here. The level of excellence that you all display is beyond you. It's beyond you. There is no reason, problem in the text, problem in the world, solution in the text, solution in the world. There is no reason why this church should not be overflowing to the street other than it's about time. It's about time. It's about time. So God, I'm going to share with you a little bit of our conversations. God has your pastor so frustrated 
because of what he sees in you. That's why he likes excellence. That's wrong. That's not right. That's off. That's not right. If it was about just you, he could be okay with that. He's not preparing for just you. He's preparing for when the womb is open. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You are about to embark on something that eyes have not seen in Winston. Ears have not heard of in Winston. Right now, you may tell people what church you go to and say, now which church? I think I saw them on social media. Don't get frustrated about it. It's about Right now, allow me to talk freely. Frustration only makes sense when separation follows. There were some folk that had to leave because it couldn't grow with them in it. I need you to understand, never try to convince somebody about your environment because the people that's supposed to be here are going to come here because they understand the work that God is doing here and the ones that are supposed to stay aren't going to stay and complain. The ones that are supposed to stay are going to stay when the pastor has to go out. You know what? My wife and I were coming. We were driving here and we were talking about everything that God is doing through you and trying to figure out God, why Pastor Tony having to go through this and he was out this time and he was out prior to and it hit me as soon as we pulled up I didn't know if you were going to be here or not this has nothing to do with sickness or recovery this is a season of preparation because God is preparing you how to run the church when he's called internationally and he does not want you to be so accustomed to his pastor coming, his pastor coming, his pastor coming. Because the call and mandate that is on his life is greater than Winston. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The call that's on his life is greater than Winston. I have known, we've known each other 18, 19, 20 years. I have never once seen him sick to the point that he could not function especially in something that he loved to do it was about time because what God was going to do in his life this was not about him this was about you his going away his season away was about you because God was preparing you for what's next here's what I want I don't want an altar call that's about you. I preach to you what I believe God was saying to you. Frustration, separation, preparation, appreciation. I want folk, he's preaching next week, right? Yes, you believe so? Okay. I need folk who will ride or die for this church and for this man of God. I need you at this altar. Come right now. Move. All we're doing is like David. We're just, I'm just counting the army. I'm suing who we're working with. 
don't do nothing to you. Come on, come on up. Come on, come on, come on. So everybody can get up here. Yep, 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 yep. Remember what I said, appreciation is not about celebration. Anybody can say it. Appreciation is about what you have. It's in you. I'm appreciative. I'm so appreciative that I'm dedicated not only my gifts, my talents, dedicated my resources to helping this thing grow because this thing is bigger than the two of them. This thing is bigger than Winston-Salem. But you gotta be all in. If you're not gonna be all in, just don't be in. What God is trying to do here is going to affect you. Remember I talked about the woman with the issue of blood? Y'all remember me talking about that briefly? Do you realize she never touched him? She touched his him. Sometimes your whole trajectory of your life will be changed by you touching something that's touching God. And you're trying to figure out, you're trying to figure out when is it my time. I, I came for a word for me. You're missing it. Sometimes God does the thing he's going to do in you by you touching something that's touching him. Let me tell you, Fellowship Church is touching him. And if you can push through the crowd, if you can push through... I just don't feel like coming to church today. If you can push through, mm, it's a little difficult to tithe right now. If you can push through that and touch the hymn, he will bless you. Everybody that's dedicated, lift your hands in the air. Lift them, lift them, lift them, lift them, lift them. Love it. Lift them, lift them. Father, we thank you. And God, we honor you, God, for what you're doing, for what you've done. Father, we pray right now that, God, what you are doing in this church will reverberate throughout the world. Father, we thank you that the worship is Godward. And, Father, as a result of that, God, you said when we would lift your name up that you would draw all men unto yourself. So, Father, I thank you right now that, God, we fellowship with you. Our fellowship is with the Father. And so, Father, I thank you right now, God, for this season that you have fellowship, church. Father, I thank you right now that it's about time. Many of us, God, are in seasons of frustration or some of us in separation, preparation. But, Father, we all can be on one accord and saying we are appreciative of what you have done and are doing in Pastor Tony. Now, Father, we thank you and we pray right now that, God, you will cover him allow God the hymn that we touch to be covered allow the hymn that we touch God to be safeguarded don't allow the enemy to come into his life and try to wreak havoc in his life but Father we thank you right now that our blessings God will be connected to the blessing that flows God from his life Father we thank you for the word that he preaches we thank you for the commitment that he has to his wife the commitment that he has to this church and God as a result with God we know that it's only a matter of time before it hits our life Father, we thank you. We honor you. Father, I pray for every person, God, that's in a season right now 
a frustration, God, this emotion that, God, they should be further along than they are right now. Father, I pray right now over that season that, God, they will not grow weary.